But I would love to have a gift that keeps on giving, right? I mean, one that just continually gives. Not, not a gift that would become outdated, but a gift that would stay fresh and new all the time. How many of you just like that? I love that gift, to have a gift that keeps on giving. We give temporary gifts for Christmas that fade, rust, break, become outdated. But we have a gift that's been given to us that for some reason has never become outdated. It's never become um, unrelative. It's Christ. If you think about the message of Christ, over 2,000 years now, the message has been preached, and it's still relevant today. Think about it. It still applies today. This book was written thousands of years ago, and it still applies today. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Amen? Luke chapter 2 verse 7 says, And then she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Man, the thing that gets me about Jesus, let me tell you what really gets me about Jesus. One of the many things that gets me about Jesus is that he's king of kings, right? That's what the Bible says, and Lord of lords. But he wasn't dressed any better than any of us today. He wasn't born in a palace He wasn't born into wealth and didn't have a big entourage with him. He was born in a manger, very common, very, very down to earth. And I'm saying that to say this to you this morning, to hopefully get your mind around the fact that Jesus is a relatable savior. He understands. He's not someone just sitting on a throne that's untouchable, unreachable, unrelatable to He's, he's a Christ, he's a savior that can relate, that speaks, that is not afraid to get down into the mess of our lives. Amen? That's who Christ is. And so the gifts that keep on giving, I want to share four gifts with you this morning. We've been in a series talking about the holidays, and we've been talking about relationships, and we've been talking about mending things. We've, we've actually been speaking on forgiveness for about four months now. I don't know why. Evidently, God's not finished doing a work of forgiveness in us because we've been talking about forgiveness for a while. Evidently, it's a big deal, and hopefully whoever's holding up the forgiveness train will get on about it, and we can preach something else. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But I want to talk to you about some gifts, and I want to continue and actually put a bow on that series this morning. The first gift that we can give that is, that keeps on giving is the gift of encouragement. By show of hand, how many of you would say, I could use some encouragement from time to time? If you didn't raise your hand, you need to check your pulse. It takes courage to be a parent. It takes courage to work that job. It takes courage to live for Jesus and so on. And a lot of people are discouraged right now, right? A lot of people are having a hard time with Christmas right now. But the truth is, is they have a hard time all year long. I haven't met a person yet that ever come to me and said, hey, pastor, would you pray that I would receive some discouragement this week? I'm just over encouraged. Nobody, nobody's ever lined up to ask me to pray for that. But encouragement is a gift that keeps on giving. You've heard me say this during the series that hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. Forgiven people forgive people. And encouraged people encourage people. Right? Would you agree? I know I can use some encouragement. There's nothing 
better than getting a text message out of the blue that says, hey, man, thinking about you this morning, praying you have a great day. Or thanks for being my friend or thanks for being my pastor. Wow. Or when my wife looks at me and says, baby, you look good. My head swells up. My chest pokes out. My shirt don't fit. Encouragement is good. Truett Cathy said, how do you identify someone who needs encouragement? If they're still breathing, they need encouragement. That's the answer. Anyone who's breathing could use some encouragement. You know what's funny about encouragement is it doesn't take a lot of effort or time or energy to encourage somebody. A simple, hey, I love your hair. Doesn't work too well on me. Nice beard, that would work. Hey, I like that dress. Hey, I like that shirt. I love these guys with these jackets on right here. Check that out. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that took some courage. And I need to encourage them to wear them jackets. Ephesians 4.29 says this, let everything, say everything. You say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let everything you say. What he's not saying is that you need to tell people every time what's wrong with them. Okay, we got a full-time enemy that's always trying to discourage us. We don't need to be picking everybody's faults out. You know, you can fix more with encouragement than you can sometimes with correction. We need encouragement. People need to be encouraged. He says, let everything you say and do be good and encouraging and helpful. I want to let you know something today. If you've been born again, if you've given your life to Jesus and you're now filled with his spirit, you are now the CEO of your life. Congratulations. You just got a promotion. You're the CEO. What's the CEO, Pastor? The chief encouraging officer. It's cheesy, right? The way you're looking at me, that's real cheesy, but you're not going to forget it. Because watch this. If you've been born again, the Bible says you came from spiritual death into spiritual life. It didn't say you, you went from being bad to being good. It says you went from spiritual death into spiritual life. That means you're alive now with the power of heaven. Come on. You're being empowered by God's Holy Spirit, and you're the chief encouraging officer in your world. What is your world? Your world is every place that you go regularly. Walmart, tractor supply. I'm just giving you my world. Tractor supply. I go to mow water, check the cows. I go to church. I wish I could tell you I went to the gym. I don't go there. <laughs> no, I ain't saying that. <laughs> you with me? That's my world. Listen to me. God has given me authority in that world to encourage that world and to bring change into that world. And I am the hope for that world. Why is that? Because Christ is living on the inside of me and he's the hope of the world. Amen? And so I should be busy encouraging people. The greatest gift I can give people sometimes is encouragement. It's the gift that keeps on giving. 
I'm the results of encouragement. I'm standing here today on the platform of encouragement that I received my whole life. When my mama told me, don't let nobody tell you what you can't do, boy. When my grandmother said, you're going to be somebody special. When my pastor looked at me and said, you're going to pastor a church one day and don't let you don't let anybody tell you anything different. When I watched Waterboy and he said, you can do it. I got encouraged. I'm standing here today on the encouragement of others. Amen. And you are where you are on the encouragement of others. I thank God for my mama. Thank God for Cheryl. On those days I want to quit, she goes, baby, just keep going. Just take another step. It's going to be all right. You look good. So let's do something today. I want to do something a little bit different. I want you to stand up. We're going to put this into practice this morning. Stand up. Everybody stand up. We're going to take 60 seconds. I know some of you are getting like, what? Yep, we're going to take 60 seconds. And listen to me. You're not just going to go over there and shake somebody's hand and not say something. You're going to encourage them by something. You're a great father. You're a great mother. Your hair looks good. Your makeup's nice. Whatever it is, take 60 seconds, cross the aisle. We'll play a little jingle music to keep it from being so weird. And encourage one another. Ready? Go. feel good come on I got told let me tell you what I got told I got told man you're tall you're dark you're handsome your beard is incredible uh, that's what I heard I heard that I don't know I wasn't paying attention to what you said I heard what I I encouraged myself <laughs> come on <laughs> we can all use a little bit of that right a little bit of encouragement. I know for some of you that just freaked you out. That's okay. You're still alive. You're going to live. It's going to be okay. So I want to encourage you with this. Wherever you're going for Christmas, listen to me. Wherever you're going for Christmas or New Year's or wherever you end up going in between there, find something to encourage somebody with. Amen? Find something to encourage people with. You can change your environment just by encouraging people. The second gift that keeps on giving is the gift of prayer. Man, I think this one's powerful. The gift of prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's transferring your burden to God. 
Do you know he didn't want you to carry your own burden? He said, in, he says in Peter, he says, you, you get cast that on me and, and I'll care for you. How do we do that? By talking to him. <clears throat> right? The greatest gift you can give along with encouragement is prayer. Why is it so hard to simply pray for people in public? Come on. People complain all the time, right? Oh, my head hurts. Oh, I got this thing on my foot. Oh, my stomach's upset. You fill in the blank. I'm not going to go too far. People are always giving us reasons to pray. Why are we not praying? Good question, Pastor. I ain't answering it. Is it because you're ashamed? Is it because you're embarrassed? Is it because you don't think you know how to pray? Let me knock that one out the way real quick. You don't have to be a theologian to pray. And by the way, there's no perfect prayer. Come on. Sometimes the greatest prayer you got is help. Right? Just a good old help, Lord. Come on. When things are going south with me and the wife, help. When the kids are being knuckleheads, help me not kill them, Lord. Come on, I got struck a nerve right there. I'm reminded of the, the, the older lady who was at Walmart in Crowley a couple years back in, in the garden center. And I thought I could, you know, I got these strategies on how to get through life fast. And I thought if you go through the garden center, you can always get out the lines faster. Uh, they got me. It backfired. I was in the garden center. I went, boom. And there's like four people. And this lady's up there. She's taking her time. She's visiting with people. She's regular old southern lady. You know what I mean? She's just like, oh, Shad, doing good. How your mom and them? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and then she gets to one couple and they say, how you been, girl? She said, oh, girl, I'm all worried. I got to go take them tests this week and see if that cancer came back. And I went, ooh. I remember the Holy Spirit saying, what you going to do about that, son? Because you see, I've got connection to heaven. Come, I've got a direct line to heaven. I can call heaven down on anyone's situation. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. Right? So it's my turn. Can I be honest with you? I got a little nervous, sweaty palms. I'm like, what do I say? Oh, my God. I hope I don't mess it up. Oh, man. So I get up there. She checks me out. And I'm like, hey. Listen, I heard what you told the other lady. You're going to get some tests done this week, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that old cancer, I think it wants to come back. I said, well, listen, I'm believing with you and I'm praying with you that the cancer doesn't come back. Oh, thank you, baby. I'm, I'm believing too. I said, let me pray for you. I've never read in the newspaper where somebody's got arrested for praying for somebody at Walmart. Amen? What power we possess to give away to other people. You don't have to be theologically correct. You don't have to be perfect in all your ways. Come on. You can pray for other people too. <laughs> the Bible says you have not because you ask not. That asking not is not praying. Praying is asking, right? So if there's something missing in my life, it's because I'm not asking, 
If there's something wrong in my environment or the people around me, it's because I'm not calling out to heaven for them. Come on, it's better than anything you can buy and wrap up with paper and put underneath a tree is prayer. Because when people put their hands on you and they say, Lord, I pray you bless her. Lord, you cover her, protect her. I pray the cancer leaves. I pray you encourage her, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. When you do that, you know what you just did? You just increased their value. The enemy's full-time job is to beat them down and you just lifted them up. Just by simply praying. I stumble through prayers all the time. I've learned the secret. If you don't, if you forget and you stumble over your words, you don't know what to say when you're praying, just pause. People think you're hearing from heaven, so they're like, oh, it's going to be good. So I'll just go. But in my mind, I'm going, oh, God, get their name right. <sighs> Can't be honest. Sometimes it's just like, Lord, I pray for. A... And I hit this wall and I'm like, your daughter, Lord, just pray for your daughter. <laughs> Pray for me. (laughs) But it's the gift of prayer. It's it's a gift that keeps on giving. Things don't change if you don't pray. Come on, instead of complaining, start praying. If we prayed as much as we complained, the world would be different. That's a good place to say amen. amen. A lot of complaining going on, not enough praying going on. had a lady in the first service told me last week uh, during this series, we've been talking about relational issues going into the Christmas holidays. And she said, pastor, yeah, I got this oldest brother that he and I, we just don't get along. We're like all in water. And she said, we had Christmas this past week and I was, I was dreading it, pastor. I said, okay. I said, well, what'd you do? She said, well, I did what you said to do. I just prayed before we got there. I said, well, how was it? She says, the best Christmas ever. We didn't even fight. And I went, Boom, get you some of that, Satan. She prayed and got answered. Right? She didn't say I sat on my knees for two hours and sweated before the Lord so my family would be. I asked God, Lord, can I have a good Christmas? Can me and my brother get along? You see, prayer before you get there, it's called proactive prayer after you're already in it is called reactive. I would rather be proactive than reactive because reactive means it's already happened. Proactive means you're giving God time to show up and shut the devil up and get out the way. Come on. Isn't that good? The gift of prayer. James said it like this in chapter 5, verse 16. He says, tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Tremendous power. Look at me. If you're born again, you've got tremendous power. You didn't amen that enough. If you've been born again and you've given your life to Jesus, the Bible says he's living on the inside and his spirit has given you power. You have tremendous power. Use it. Use it. Don't waste it. Use it. nothing like being on the other side of somebody praying for you. I've had people pray for me when I didn't even know I was going through something. 
They could see and sense that something was going on inside of me. And they said, man, pastor, can I pray for you? I'm like, bro, I'm doing good, man. It's all gravy right now. And they're like, no, man, let me pray for you. And they start praying for me. I'm like, I didn't know I was hurting. It's incredible. Paul said to Timothy, I urge you, first of all, listen to this. First of all, to pray for all people. Say all. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. You know who's in all people? The people that you're upset with right now. Silence. First of all, pray for all people, especially the ones that have hurt you the ones that have abandoned you, the ones that have turned their back on you, the ones that said that thing about you or did that thing to you, pray for them. Ask God to help them. He didn't say ask God to hurt them. Ask God to help them. Wow. I don't know about you, that puts a lot of pressure on me. You know what it's like to pray for somebody you're mad at? You want to get over it? Start praying for them. The best way to quit holding a grudge is to start praying. <laughs> this is good stuff. I don't care what y'all I don't care what y'all look like. This is good stuff. The best way to get over it is to pray. Pray for them. So we're gonna put that into practice right now. So you got a, 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 some notes that you were handed, right? Everybody should have some notes. If not, you can reach behind the seat or the fr- seat in front of you and grab some kind of paper. Real quick, everybody grab something to write on. Come on, get moving. I know I don't normally make you do this during a service, but <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to take some action today. We're going to get proactive and not reactive. And, and I want you to do this. If you've got your paper already and a pen or something to write with, I want you to think about the one person who needs God's help. The one person that you know that get, needs God's help. It may be the person that hurt you. It may be the person that, that's, that you got something against. It may be somebody that you hadn't spoken to in a long time or just somebody that you know that needs God's help right now. Just whoever that is, write their name down. Just real quick, write their name down. And then we're going to pray together. That way it's not so awkward. We're going to pray together real quick. <clears throat> so you ready? All right. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for, and then say their name. I'm asking you, Lord, to help them. Lord, you know there's some issues between us. You know that they're lost without you. I'm asking you to help. I'm asking you to help them financially, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Lord, help them. I call down heaven over them now and ask you to move in their life in a mighty way. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, you just prayed for somebody. Give yourself a hand. 
the gift of prayer. You just gave the gift away. So the first gift we give is the gift of encouragement. The second is the gift of prayer. The third gift that we can give away that keeps on giving is the gift of a second chance. I call it the gift of forgiveness. And this may be the hardest one of all of them. How many of you would agree this one's pretty tough by shake a head? Come on, you would agree. Forgiveness is a hard one. It's called the gift of the second chance. Forgiveness is a gift that keeps on giving. I was corrected in the first service this morning with this uh, example I'm about to give you. But in, in Africa, there is a ringtail. I thought it was a monkey, but some kid corrected me and told me it's a lemur. So I'm going to believe the kid. There's a ring-tailed lemur in Africa, and they say he's the hardest thing to catch. But there's a group of people that figured out how to catch him. His favorite melon they took, and they drilled a hole in it because his favorite part of that melon is the seeds on the inside. So he spends his time trying to get to the inside of the melon to get the seeds. So what they did is they drilled a hole in the melon just big enough for him to slide his hand in, And then he reaches in and he grabs a handful of seeds, but when he makes a fist, he can't get his hand out. So he's stuck. He's captured. And they just, they don't run. They don't get all crazy. They just walk up and grab him, help him get his hand out, and put him in the cage. Many of us, when we hold on to unforgiveness, are like the lemur who are captured by our own abilities. When we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and hurt and pain, we're holding on to some things that we don't need to hold on to. And here's the news. You're holding yourself captive, not the person that hurts you. They're sleeping good. You're not. They're resting and got peace in their life and enjoying life. You're not because you're holding on to something that you were never intended to hold on to. Making sense? How do we change that? Letting it go. Release it. How do I release people, pastor? You start by recognizing that you're holding something against somebody. You got to first confess and, and recognize that you're holding on to something that you don't need to hold on to. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. In fact, he's going to start doing that now for all of you. You need to recognize that you're holding on to something that you don't need to hold on to. And then you need to ask him to help you to let it go. And then you just start to let it go. You got to know who it is. You got to know what they did to you. And then you got to start letting it go. For some of us, we come out of the trap real quick. But for others of us that have been hurt deeply, that letting go process can take some time. Would you agree? It can take some time. I'm not saying build a bridge and get over it. I'm not saying forgive them right this minute. I'm saying start the process now so that you can eventually let go and become free. If you never start, you never finish, right? It's the gift of a second chance. All of us have been hurt. I have hurt people. I've wounded my children. I've wounded my wife. I'm responsible to go and make that right. When people hurt me, it's sad, but it's my responsibility to go and make it right. What does the flesh want to do? I'm sorry, suckers. Hurt me. They need to come get it right with me. Let me let you in on something. They don't even know they hurt you. Most of them. 
And if they do know, they feel so guilty. They're not man enough or filled with God's spirit enough to come back and get it right. Amen. You're going to have to be the grown up in the situation and go get it right. It's important. Say it's important. I want you to go into 2019 walking free from everything that's holding you back. When you give the gift of forgiveness, it frees you up. Who is that person? When they walk in the room or somebody mentions their name or a conversation comes up about them, that you instantly start feeling a little anxious or resistant or something or nervous. Who's that person? Think about it right now. Who is that person? And when they either walk in the room or their name is mentioned or the conversation gets brought up, that you kind of get this little, ah. honestly, what that is, is that's your heart just hardening again. It's just you going, mm. who is that? You need to put that on your paper too. Because you may be hanging on to something you're not intended to hang on to. I'm going to let Matthew put a little pressure on you this morning. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said this. It's very, very conditional. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. I'm going to read it one more time. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Notice Jesus didn't say, if you can't forgive them. He said, if you refuse to forgive them. Which implies that everyone can forgive anyone if they choose to. Track with me. If I refuse to forgive them, then I'm refusing to receive forgiveness from Jesus. That's the scriptures. But if I choose to forgive them, then I'm choosing to receive forgiveness from the Father. Who controls it? Say me. You control it. You control forgiveness in your life. Wow. You came to church, didn't think you had this much power, did you? You got power to call down heaven. You got power to lift people up. And you actually have power to receive forgiveness. Based on if you choose to forgive other people. It's not because you can't. It's because you don't want. Oh, there's a big difference between can't and won't. Right? If you're raising kids, you're going to have to teach them the difference between can't and won't. No, it's not that you can't take out the garbage. It's that you don't want to. It's not that you can't clean up your room. It's because you refuse to. You don't want to. So I'm going to help you with your refusal. I'm going to lift you up. Right? Why? Because I'm going to teach you the difference between can't and won't. Come on. I don't want to whoop you. (laughs) I'd rather give you a high five than a low correction, but I mean, I'll just do what I got to do. Does that make sense? Come on, does that put a little bit of pressure on you? It should. It should put pressure on us. Watch this. I, Jamie Tyler, 
am responsible for the condition of my life. I'm responsible for the condition of my relationships. I'm responsible for what I can control. Come on. I can forgive other people, but I can't make them forgive me. Sometimes people refuse to forgive me. But if I take care of what I got against them, I free myself of it. They still got something on me. That's on them. Amen. I have to take responsibility for my relationships. I have to take responsibility for my heart, the condition of my heart, my relationships, my emotions, my, my mind, my, are you getting what I'm saying this morning? I have to take responsibility for that. I can't just put that on somebody else and think it's just going to magically happen because it never magically happens. I have never in 45 years woke up in the morning and said, hmm, I feel like forgiving somebody. It's never happened. Right? I have to take that responsibility myself. So I get to give the gift of encouragement. It keeps on giving. I think about this. I encourage you. You encourage her. You encourage him. He encourages him. And before you know it, it's going to get to somebody that really needs it. It's contagious. It's more contagious than the flu. Come on. It works. I get to give the gift of encouragement. I get to give the gift of prayer, which is a form of encouragement, by the way. And then I get to give the gift of forgiveness. Isn't that good? But I can't give any of those gifts unless I receive the fourth gift, which is the gift of salvation. This one's big. In fact, it's the biggest of them all. It's the gift of salvation. You see, before I was saved, I didn't care if I hurt your feelings. Before I was saved, I didn't care if I was forgiven. I didn't even know I needed to be forgiven. I thought I was all out in a bag of chips. Didn't know there was more air than chips. Right? Before I was saved, I didn't care. I didn't know. Why? Because I was spiritually dead. I was numb to the way I was. But the day I asked Jesus to come into my life, I confessed him as my Lord and Savior and believed that God raised him from the dead and was saved. That day, like, like Nicodemus said, I was born again. Born again. I had new life. I had a, an awakened conscience, an awakened spirit, a new heart, a new mind. Come on. I was made alive again. I had power from the Holy Spirit. Then I was able to give encouragement. Then I was able to give prayer. Then I was able to give forgiveness. Not before, only after. Jesus is your greatest gift. He was given to us in the form of a baby. And we celebrate his birth. But can I tell you, his birth was there to precede his death, which would be the real thing that frees us up. He was born to die.
the greatest gift we receive is not under a tree. It hung on a tree. He hung on a tree for my sins. He didn't give me a holiday from my work. He gave me a lifetime from sin. Come on. He gave me a lifetime from the bondage of sin. Before I was saved, I had to. I had to do what this flesh wanted to do. I had to. I had no other choice. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took away my had to. And now I don't have to anymore. I don't have to be who I used to be. I don't have to walk into sin anymore. It's been broken. That's the gift. He broke the chains off of me. I don't have to be that way anymore. I don't have to say those things like I used to say. I don't have to live like I used to live. I don't have to do what I used to do. Does my flesh still want to? You better believe it does, but I don't have to. If I do, it's because I choose to, not because I have to. Jesus took away my have to. I don't have to. I don't have to do what I used to do. I don't have to get drunk to have a good time. I don't have to take something or smoke something to enjoy life. I don't have to get wasted to deal with life. I've got access to heaven now. When I go through something, I can. I can go to heaven now. I can call out to heaven. I can call out to God now. I don't have to go to these other things, right? I don't have to medicate my issues. I don't have to cover them up with other things. I don't have to. I get to. Come on, is this making sense this morning? I don't have to. I get to. See, when I used to have a bad day, I'd drink it away. Smoke it away. Do something to get it away. Now all I got to do. Lord, this is tough. Man, I want to quit. This is hard. Lord, I want to go drink. This is my prayer. Lord, I I want to drink, Lord. I want to drink this thing away. I want to medicate. I want to watch so much TV that I forget about it. That's another drug, by the way. I don't have to. Paul said that if I, when I'm being anxious or when I'm feeling anxious, I'm going through some hard stuff. He said, I can go to the father. He said, tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's already done. Why? Does he need to remember? No, he remembers everything. I need to remember. Thank him. So so when you're going through some stuff, sit your blessed assurance down for a second and say, Lord, I need some help. I want to punch somebody. Lord, I'm about to choke a brother. Whatever you got to say, Lord, I need some help. Would you please help me with my anger? Would you help me with my hurt? Lord, I'm wounded right now. Lord, I want to cry. I want to quit. Whatever it is, Lord, help me. Thank you for everything that you've done up to this point. Lord, thank you for the last time I was in this condition and you showed up. Why? That's encouraging yourself. Watch this. 
Because people don't always encourage you when they need to be encouraged. Because sometimes they don't want to do it. Encourage yourself by reminding yourself of what God's already done in your life. And then the Bible says, and then tell him what you need. When Cheryl and I have professional disagreements, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to settle this thing between her and I. I want to sleep good tonight. And I want her to sleep good tonight. And I don't want to leave too much time and room for the enemy to come and work in my life. So, Lord, would you begin to move in my wife and in me? Don't forget the second part. It's important. Watch this. Tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then it says the peace of God that passes all understanding will come in and it's going to cover up your heart and your mind. Wow. Wow. God gave that to me. He gave that to us in the relationship that we have with him and with Jesus. Are you seeing it? That's the gift that keeps on giving. I don't have to do what I used to do. Get mad and go be self-destructive. I don't have to do that. I get to sit down and tell God. You can stand up, by the way. I get to tell God what I need, thank you for what he's done, and then receive heavenly peace that guards my heart and my mind. Come on, don't you want that? Right? Because what happens if you drink it away? You wake up with a hangover and the problem's still there, and it's probably even worse. When you medicate, you might lose your job, fail a drug test, lose your job. Does that get any better? No. Jesus said in Matthew, or Matthew actually said in chapter 1, he said, telling the story of Jesus, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Wow. Ephesians said this. It says, God saved us by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Wow. Have you ever had somebody pay for your bill at the restaurant and you didn't know it? Anybody? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, I thought there would be more than one. If you've never experienced that, you need to start praying. Two things go through my mind when somebody pays the bill for me that I wasn't even expecting. The first thing is, it's, dang, I knew I should have ordered the filet, right? <laughs> Come on, let's be real. You're like, ah, oh. I'm joke. Pray for me. The second thing that goes through my mind is they weren't sitting at my table. They weren't served by my server. They didn't get a single bite of what I got. They didn't get a sip of my drink. They didn't get to enjoy my company. But they paid for it. 
Jesus went to the cross for our sin, yet he never sinned. He didn't sin my sins. Those are my sins. But he paid for them. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't his sins. It was my sins. He paid for my sins. He paid for mine, but he didn't sin. Salvation is a gift. A gift quits being a gift when you feel like you have to work for it or pay it back. By the way, hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is for a place that people refuse to receive God's gift. Amen. Romans 10, 9 says this, and this is the last verse. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Say these words with me. You will be saved. Wow. If you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Man. The greatest gift you can ever get is salvation. The gift is offered to you now, right now.